You're listening to the Canardly Talk Straight Show. Please give a warm welcome to your host, Canardly Talk Straight. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Canardly Talk Straight. Following on from our first series where we interviewed some of history's greatest conquerors, today we begin our second series where we introduce you to some of history's greatest artists. And what better way to begin than introducing you to someone who is one of the best-known artists in all of history. He was a self-taught Italian polymath, a painter, sculptor, scientist, architect and engineer among many other things. Widely regarded to have been a genius of the Renaissance, few artists have managed to contribute so much in their collective works. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Leonardo di Ser Piero da Vinci. Thanks very much. I haven't been introduced like that for a long time. Is that right? Yeah, most people just say Leonardo da Vinci. Only show-offs say the Di Ser Piero bit. Well, I wanted to make sure I included your full name. You sure did. Now we all know how clever you are. Well, thank you, I think. Bit of a show-off, are you? Well, it's difficult being a show-off in the presence of such a prolific and masterful artist as yourself. See, now you're just being a suck-up. No, I... Nobody likes a suck-up, Canardly. I'd stick to being a show-off if I were you. I'm a bit of a show-off myself, you know. Right. And I do have a remarkable body of work. Do you know one of my paintings sold for 450 million bucks a few years back? Yes, the painting Salvatore Mundi, I believe. Not bad for a bit of oil paint on walnut. Not bad at all. If only someone paid me that much when I painted it, eh? Yes, quite. Still, I can't complain. I did all right for an illegitimate kid. Yes, you were born out of wedlock back in 1452 to your father, Sir Piero da Vinci, who was a legal notary, I believe, and your mother, Caterina di Meolipi, was of the lower classes. Yeah, that's right, hence the name Leonardo di Ser Piero, which means son of Piero. Is that why you're not fond of that name? Oh, look, I can take it or leave it, but I wasn't too close to my dad. He wasn't around much. I stayed with my mum in Vinci when I was a kid, and I liked my uncle, dad's brother Francesco, he was pretty cool. Then mum got married to this other bloke, so I also stayed with my granddad Antonio after I was five in his house in Anchiano. And is that where you started painting? Kind of. I showed a bit of promise which was a bit of a blessing and a curse really, because when they decided I was gifted with painting, they only taught me the basics at school. You know, reading and writing and a bit of maths, but didn't bother with anything else. But I didn't start to paint properly till we moved to Florence a bit later. This was when you became a studio boy in the Florentine painter Andrea del Verrocchio's studio, is that right? There you go, showing off again. Well, it, it is my job to research my subjects, you know. Fair enough, don't get your knickers in a knot. You are correct. When I was 14... I was taken on as a garzone, or studio boy by Verrocchio. And how did you find that? Oh, it was pretty easy to find. The studio was well known. You just had to ask someone where it was. No, I mean, did you enjoy it? Well, why didn't you say that? Well, I thought I did. No, you said, how did you find it? Well, well, yes, I did say that, but I meant, how did you enjoy it? Well, how am I supposed to know that? It's not even close. All right, then. How did you enjoy that? Enjoy what? How did you enjoy working at Verrocchio's studio as a studio boy? See, now that wasn't too hard, was it? Harder than I thought it should be. I loved it. I loved tinkering with stuff, getting my hands dirty, 
always have. Mm -hmm. They did all sorts of stuff, mechanics, metalwork, woodwork, chemistry, and you learn how to paint and sculpt and stuff. It was great. There were other artists that hung around too, like Botticelli and Perugino. It was pretty cool. And how long did you stay there? Quite a while. I was apprenticed at 17 and I studied there for about seven years. Dad set me up in a studio when I was 20, but I still stuck around Verrucchio's place. We did a lot of work together there. Yes, in fact, is it true that you first gained attention with the painting The Baptism of Christ in conjunction with Verrucchio? That's correct, yeah. And according to the art historian Giorgio Vasari, Verrucchio took one look at your work on the angel holding Christ's robe and realising it was far superior to his own, put down his brush and never painted again. Is that correct? Yeah, nah, not how I remember it. I mean, Vasari did say that, but he was a bit of a suck-up, you know? I doubt Verrucchio put down his brushes after that. I mean, I didn't put my brush down when that upstart Michelangelo came along. Not that he was better than me anyway. Yes, Vasari wrote that you had an intense rivalry. Like I said, Vasari was a suck-up. Anyway, you can only have a rivalry if two people are as good as each other. I mean, what did Michelangelo ever do? Well, the Sistine Chapel ceiling, the Statue of David. The Statue of David? Have you seen that thing? The head is huge, so are the hands. Totally disproportionate to the body, and the genitals are tiny. Probably modelled on his own. Yes, but it was suggested that was because it was supposed to be viewed from below, placing them more in proportion. What, the genitals or the head and hands? Well, the- There is another theory on this, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, that the whole thing is crap and he didn't know what he was doing. But it was said you considered it a masterpiece when it was unveiled. Yeah, I also said it should have a loincloth. It was embarrassing. Anyway, I was just trying to be nice. If I'd have said what I thought, everyone would have carried on like I was jealous or something. Well, perhaps I will ask him. He's coming on the show soon. Really? Yes. Why? Because this is a show examining the great artists of history. Exactly. Uh, So not a fan then? Could you tell? So, at the age of 20, you qualified as a master in the Guild of St. Luke, the Guild of Artists and Doctors of Medicine. Not bad for a bloke with no formal academic training, eh? That's when I got my own studio. Which your father set you up in. Yeah, we got on a bit better when he realised I was a genius. But I guess it was the start of me branching out, you know? I got a commission to paint the Chapel of St. Bernard in the Palazzo Vecchio. And I started hanging out with the Medicis. This is the rather wealthy and powerful Florentine banking and political family. Wealthy, all right. They could have brought Salvatore Mundi a few times over, I bet, and still had enough to build a palace or two. But they were all right, you know. They were curious about art and science and all sorts of things that I liked. So we hit it off. Also, there were lots of other show-offs used to hang around there, so I fitted right in. Now, art historians call this your early Florentine period. Would that be accurate? Yeah, they like to label stuff, don't they? But I didn't sit around thinking about that. I was just trying to paint and invent as much stuff as possible with what I was influenced by at the time. I mean, can you imagine me saying, I think I'll call this my first Florentine period. What if it didn't go anywhere else? Then it would have been my only Florentine period. Good point. Yeah. But you did go somewhere, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was in the middle of this painting for some monks called the Adoration of the Meiji, but I didn't just want to paint, you know. I was a designer and an engineer and stuff as well. So I sent a letter to the Duke of Milan, Ludovico Sforza, telling him how I could make weapons and do engineering as well as painting. 
then Lorenzo Di Medici sent me down there as an ambassador. So I left my first Florentine period behind and started my first Milanese period instead. You didn't call it that though. No, I did not. I called it getting a new job. But you left some beautiful works behind, including the Madonna of the Carnation and Ginevra de Benci, if I'm not mistaken. You're pretty good at this show-off stuff, aren't you? Thank you. But the thing is, I had a lot of fun stuff lined up in Milan. A lot of it didn't come about, but I worked on a building, the Pavia Cathedral, show off, and a cupola for Milan Cathedral. Oh, and a giant statue of a bloke riding a horse. Yes, an equestrian monument to Francesca Sforza, is that correct? Show off. Yeah, the previous duke. But it didn't get finished because they needed the bronze to make cannons for the upcoming war. I also did a float and some pageant stuff as well. You also painted The Last Supper. Sorry, which one was that? The Last Supper. One of the most famous mural paintings in all of history. Remind me, where is that one? You don't remember The Last Supper on the wall of the monastery of Santa Maria del Grazi. I remember the Virgin of the Rocks. That was a nice painting. And I remember going to Hungary to meet the king. I vaguely remember doing a mural, but those floats and pageants took up a bit of time, and they were for special occasions, you know? You remember flutes and pageants, but you don't remember the Last Supper. Well, I used to dabble in lots of stuff, you know? I like to try my hand at different things. Like that drawing of the bloke in the circle with his arms and legs out? The Vitruvian Man. Yeah, but a mural? The Last Supper, you say? Yes. You sure it was me? Positive. It was Jesus Christ at the moment he tells his disciples one of them will betray him. Is that the one he's sitting in the middle and they're all outraged that he would say they'd betray him? Yes, that's it. And Judas is in the shadow. Yes. Yes, I do remember that one. It was a bit of an experiment. I was studying light and sound and people's expressions and stuff, and I thought I'd try it out on that one. I see. And I used a different method to paint on dry plaster, but it didn't work out so well started chipping straight away. Probably why I don't remember it. Well, history remembers it. Historians suggest it is the most complete testimony to your genius. Sounds like they're sucking up, don't you think? Well, no, I don't. Canardly, the paint didn't even stick to the plaster. Would you call it genius if I painted your house and the paint started peeling off? Well, no, I guess not. Look, if you want to see my genius, you have to look at all my work put together, not just try to find it in one work. They've all got flaws. They've all got genius. I see. Whoever said that sounds like a suck up. Right. Well, chipped paint and all, it is a remarkable work. Yeah, well, thanks for reminding me. Now, you mentioned before that Lodovico Sforza confiscated the bronze marked for use in a statue to use to make a cannon. Is this when Louis XII of France invaded Italy in 1499 and took Milan? Yeah, I thought it the perfect time to start my second Florentine period. But you didn't call it that. No, I called it saving my skin. A wise move. Actually, I went to Venice first and got a job as a military architect and made plans to defend the city from naval attack. I had this cool idea for a mobile dam that would draw the enemy into this river valley, then flood it in an instant. And this even cooler underwater diving thing so we could swim up to the enemy's ships and drill holes in the bottom of them. How did they go? No idea. The Senate didn't do anything about them. I think they thought I was a bit nuts. But apparently these days, underwater diving things are all over the place. Anyway, after that, I went back to Florence and stayed with some Serbite monks. This is where you started the Virgin and Child with St. Anne painting. Yeah, the monks gave me a workshop, so I thought I'd better do something. But in 1502, I had this other opportunity to be a military architect and engineer with Cesare Borgia. 
which seemed like much more fun to me. Now, Cesare Borgia was the son of Pope Alexander VI, is that right? The illegitimate son, which is something we bonded over. Interesting fact, do you know the book The Prince by Niccolò Machiavelli? Yes, about the machinations of gaining power. That was based on Cesare. He was a clever bloke. I mean, he hired me, which was pretty smart. He was also an incestuous murderer, greatly responsible for the corruption of the church. Well, nobody's perfect, but it's true you wouldn't want to cross him, which is why I stayed on his good side. Sometimes it's best not to criticise. So you had a good working relationship? We did, yeah, but I thought it wise not to stick around too long. So in 1503, I went back to Florence to continue my second Florentine period. Which is not what you called it. No, I called it being better safe than sorry. And it was around this time you began work on the other great masterpiece attributed to you, the Mona Lisa. The Mona what? Oh, come on. Are you telling me you don't remember the Mona Lisa? The Great Portrait of Lisa del Giacondo. Oh, you mean La Gioconda. Yes, that's right. My apologies. It was Giorgio Vasari that named it the Mona Lisa. Yeah, it sounds like that bloke just made stuff up. Well, he did write your biography and he did say glowing things about you. Well, sure, not everything he said was rubbish, but some of it's pretty questionable. But yes, I did start La Gioconda, as you say. And how long did it take to paint? 520 odd years and counting. 520 years? Yeah, I never finished it. Ah, uh, that's a bit of a recurring theme, isn't it? Unfinished works. Why is that? Well, some people say I was a procrastinator, but I'd prefer to think I was a bit of a perfectionist. But really, there were so many other interesting things to start and not finish. There was this mural in the Palazzo Vecchio, the Battle of Anghiari. Yeah, I felt I had to do that because they hired Michelangelo to do the companion piece and I wasn't going to let that prat get all the glory. But you didn't finish that either. No, but in my defence, I was busy not finishing some other stuff as well. And I got a bit distracted by some scientific observations I wanted to write down before I forgot them on the way birds fly and how water moves and stuff. Yes, this was in the Codex Lester. It was in a book, yeah. So you never got back to the mural? Not really, no. I was trying some experiments with paint that just wouldn't work. It just wasn't sticking to the wall. Then the French governor in Milan asked me to go there, so I thought I'd give a second Milanese period a go. But you didn't call it that. No, I called it a perfect excuse to get out of a failed experiment with paint. So what did you do in Milan? Not much painting, though I set up a studio and took on some new pupils as well as my old ones. Yes, the young nobleman Francesco Melzi who stayed your companion for the rest of your days. Yes, that's right. And I did some architectural work for the governor and the French king. Charles XII. Yes, and I also did some more scientific work, this time on the anatomy of the human body. Oh, and I started work on a sculpture for Gian Giacomo Travuzio, the bloke who beat Ludovico Sforza, another equestrian statue. And how did that go? I never finished it. Wasn't my fault this time, though. He just decided not to go ahead. Plus, there was another invasion from Swiss, Spanish and Venetian forces which drove the French out of Milan. I see. But you decided to stay through all this. Well, my good friends the Medicis invited me to stay in one of their villas. So I thought it would be rude not to. But then Giovanni de' Medici became Pope Leo X, so I thought I'd try my luck in Rome. His brother Giuliano put me up in an apartment in the Vatican, which was pretty sweet. A sweet sweet, so to speak. Quite. I basically potted around for a while, you know, trying my hand at this and that, practicing botany, dissecting cadavers, that kind of thing. 
I did a map of the Pontine Marshes for Giuliano that he wanted to reclaim as land. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I was a bit disappointed no big commissions came my way. I mean, they had Raphael and Michelangelo working on stuff, but nothing came my way. I was starting to get on a bit and had a bit of sickness as well. Yes, some say it may have been the first of multiple strokes. Could have been, who knows. I wasn't quite ready to go yet though. King Francis I of France managed to retake control of Milan and he invited me into his service as first painter, architect and engineer to the king. Nice title. It was canardly, showed respect if you know what I mean, and it was fun too. I made this mechanical lion for a pageant that walked towards the king and plans for a palace garden, among other things. Mm -hmm. Then those strokes you talked about started to catch up to me. I couldn't use my right hand anymore, so basically the writing was on the wall. Not easy for an artist. That's right. So I thought enough is enough, had one last stroke and died. This was at Clos-Luce, near the king's residence, on the 2nd of May 1519, at the age of 67, is that right? That's correct. Not a bad way to spend the last few years, if I do say so myself. Leonardo Dice Piero da Vinci, thank you for your time. Show off. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together once more for Leonardo da Vinci. And as we say here, if you'd like to find out more about Leonardo da Vinci, just Google it. Hello listeners, this is Canardly Talk Street. I'm here to remind you that if you like the show, please remember to hit the follow button, the one that says follow, F-O-L-L-O-W. And when I say hit, I don't mean hit. I mean touch it, lightly, with your finger if you are listening with a touchscreen device. And if you are on a computer, move the arrow with the mouse until it is over the button and click on it. But why stop there? See the little button that says share? S-H-A-R-E. Hit that one as well. And when I say hit, I don't mean hit. I mean, well, you know what I mean. Follow and share. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to the Canardly Talk Straight Show. Stay tuned to this channel for more episodes.